All right, greetings and welcome to Pops Collection, where we dissect and reflect on a movie or TV show from a Pops Collection. I'm Ron Tweedy, joining me is Pops, and today we're going to be talking about X-Men, hey. Days of the Future Past. Yes, or um, I think an a more appropriate title would be X-Men, The Gang's All Here, but you know, I guess it could be. Yeah. Yeah, I yes. think for a second, but yeah, I agree. Yes. Uh, uh, first, before we continue, a public service announcement. Uh, June 22nd, Batman The Long Halloween Part 1 will be in your stores or Amazon or wherever you purchase your DVDs or Blu-rays or 4Ks. Uh, so that's coming out, uh, long awaited, uh, pretty excited about it. Cool. So get that out of the way. All right. And uh, ready to talk about this movie. This movie's kind of started off with a question. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you noticed it. Is the future truly set? Right. Okay. Which, yeah. which was kind of the our uh, first thing we got, and uh, thought that it was really, really great. The heroes that they chose to use in this movie, mm -hmm. uh, they're actually uh, they expand from a lot of different uh, parts of the X Men. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, because let's see, I think, didn't we start in the future in this one? We did, yeah. Yes, okay, so you had a character with a black mask across his eyes or black paint, what have you. Yeah, Warpath. Yes, yeah, Warpath, uh, also known as Thunderbird. Okay. Uh, he is... Um, in this movie, it's James Proudstar, mm -hmm. who is the brother of John Proudstar, who was the original Thunderbird Warpath uh, in the Gifted series, which didn't come out for until a few years after that. So, okay. But uh, he was in that uh, from the Gifted, uh, different character, a different actor. And supposedly his brother in this particular uh, version. And Blink yeah. was the one that uh, opened up the holes. Yes, portals. Uh, portals, yes. And uh, she's also from The Gifted. Okay. Uh, wow. Again, not the same actress, but right. uh, we got uh, to see Kitty Pride, Colossus. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blink and Warpath, and then another new one was Bishop. Yes. Um, who I think is a pretty interesting character. Oh, yeah. And um, we had Bobby, Iceman. Mm -hmm. And then the other character in the beginning, I thought it was a different character, but as it turned out, he was a character called Sunspot. Did you know okay. that? I didn't realize it was Sunspot. 
Yeah. Huh. You know, me neither. I thought it was his uh, enemy from X2. But not so. No, no, no. No, but we got uh, him. Then we got the regulars. We got Wolverine and Storm and Professor X and Magneto from the first trilogy movies. Right. Uh, then we had Hank McCoy. And we also got to see Peter Maximoff. Yeah. Right. Which was, it's the same uh, actor, right? That did uh, WandaVision. Yeah. But he definitely played the character better in this. I suppose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just thought I would go down that route. No, yeah. I mean, that's, we can't, uh, you're right. I don't think we can uh, ignore that, of course. Um, right, right. I don't. And what I thought was really, really cool is that we got uh, Hank McCoy with both actors. Yeah, that was cool. That was, I thought, all right, I could go with that. And his beast outfit in this was a little bit better than from the first movie, I think. A little was, bit better. No, I'd say it's a lot better. Yeah, I think, yeah. Big time, yeah. I think it's a huge improvement. Yeah, so, well, uh, Brian Singer directed this. Yes, that's right. You know, so he, he was there for the original series. So I think his vision might've been a little bit closer to that. Mm -hmm. But um, this uh, one actually made the, well, it made the most out of this trilogy. Mm -hmm. You know, they had a $220 million budget and it made uh, like over 746 million, so. Yeah, and I think that actually, you, you said, you know, the fact that Brian Singer, you know, kind of was the one behind this, it does, I think, explain a lot of things that he tried to correct for when Brent Ratner did X3, The Last Stand. Um, right, well, I think that whole thing was, from that point, it was a cluster, uh, <laughs> because, you know, first of all, um, the gentleman directed the first movie, First Class, was supposed to have directed X3. Yeah, Matthew Vaughn. Yeah, and then he went, walked away from that right. for reasons unspecified. Yeah. And uh, so I think that really was the death of X3 uh, from the beginning, you know? Sure. But, oh, not only that, you remember, because... At the end of the movie, we also got uh, Cyclops and uh, uh, Phoenix, Dark Phoenix, who at that time was a Jean Grey. Yeah. So uh, lots and lots of X-Men in this movie. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, and our main character, or shall we say... Uh, our lost soul, I'm going to say, Mystique. Okay, yeah. In this movie. Mm -hmm. uh, I kind of liken this movie in some ways. I tried to think of a different way to look at it. And uh, I'm calling it a missions trip. 
Okay. You're trying to, they're trying to save a soul, a lost soul and put them in the right direction. Hmm. I know I'm stretching it a little bit, but I mean, you can see that, right? I mean, they have come to the conclusion that this whole movie is based on the fact that Mystique murdered Trask and it took her down a wrong path. Yeah. So the mission trip is to try and prevent her from going down the wrong path. Sure. So that's what I'm saying. That's, that's what I'm going with. Okay. Now, were you familiar with uh, Kitty Pride having that ability? No, funny you should say that. So um, I thought I would start there. I mean, that's where it starts. So yeah, yeah. So there, there's uh, obviously a lot of um, a very iconic source that this movie is pulling from, and you know, Days of the Future Past is a um, two issue story arc in the uh, Claremont run of uh, X Men. So I've got it pulled up here, so we could take a look at it. I had a feeling you would. Yeah, but you know, you get this iconic cover. It's awesome. You see, you got Kitty Pride there, and, and you know, Old Man Logan there helping out, out there. And uh, I, I love the cover of this because you kind of just get to see what you know has happened in the future. Whether you know, you see all the X Men you're familiar with, whether it's Cyclops being slain or Colossus being apprehended, Sprite, which was Kitty Pride at the time, and um, you know, it's really, really cool. I, I love that. Um, and, and you could see here that this uh, came out in uh, 1980. So, right, that and uncanny X Men. Yes, and, and you could see that it takes place in the dystopian year of 2013. <laughs> so, dink a little bit almost. So, you know, so pr pretty close, a year early. Yeah, but very similar to the movie, uh, Sentinels have completely captured mutants and also people who are possible uh, creating, uh, you know, have uh, you know, passed along mut mutant genes. And so they've been kind of apprehended. And so, you know, she's one of the few remaining mutants left that's in captivity. And so this story, she gets together with a few other mutants and she is the one that actually gets sent back in time. And the, it, there was a, a psychic named Rachel, which I'm assuming might be Rachel Summers, which uh, is Phoenix in another time, timeline. Um, but one thing I do love about this is the, uh, the close-up here of the gravestone. So you get, you know, you even get other characters like Reed Richards. And, yes, uh, I see that. Yeah, and so, like, and you can kind of maybe pick out Lorna Dane, which is Polaris. Yeah. You know, and so like you kind of get Johnny Storm, Ben Grimm, Susan Richards. They've they've all been caught up in this mutant hysteria as well, even though they're not mutants themselves, which I thought was fascinating and interesting uh, uh, side part of it. Because one of the people that helps Kitty go back in time, you can see uh, Storm as she's uh, much more aged. This is Rachel. And so um, you have that. And then um, I forget who that is. Oh, that's Franklin Richards. Okay, which and, is uh, yeah, their the, son. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so he, he's helping them out. And so, yeah, you can see here Rachel sending Kitty back in time to the uh, year of 1980 to change everything. And so, uh, you know, pretty much that, that, that was the original story. And the second issue, one thing I did want to show you is this really cool splash page 
where she's preventing the assassination of uh, Senator Kelly because that starts off the chain of events where they amp up the Sentinel program and then all the so basically in this in the in the comic book story yeah but you can see that the the Brotherhood is actually led by Mystique and so she plays a key role in this particular story as well which is I think very appropriate that you know we have um, you know, Jennifer Lawrence reprising her, her role as Mystique and kind of being the key person that they need to change in order to stop uh, all this from happening so. And I really love the way that they chose to tell this story. Mm -hmm. um, I, again, we're going, the question is, is this a period piece? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. But not the 60s. No, it's the 70s and not, you know, it's funny because, you know, 2013 to the 80s, it's not that either. So it's, 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 it's totally different from both of those. And, you know, for what it's worth, I think they did a fantastic job doing that. You know, you take a look at Wolverine Origins, which is also supposed to take place in the 70s, and it, you can't tell, and it's it's bad. This one, you really can. It's particularly a lot of the fashion, a lot of the technology. Leather jackets. Waterbeds. Yeah, waterbeds, which I thought was, then would only be one thing to make it more hilarious if he popped his claws in there. Oh, he did. You know, and sprang, and so, oh, that's right. And he sprung a leak. That's right. He did. But uh, I thought, oh my gosh. And lava lamp. Yep. Yep. When I saw that, I thought about your brother Andrew because okay. he was into that real big. You know, I remember he had, I think you had one too, right? Didn't you? Or maybe, I don't remember. Yeah. Well, your boys had one, right? Yep. My grandsons had one. So I thought that was really, really uh, interesting the way that they decided that the only one that could come back would be Wolverine. Yeah. And uh, we did get a call back uh, uh, and towards the middle of the movie with uh, Eric and, and him, or not Eric, it was the professor saying, yeah, I kind of remember you. And I remember what you told us, and I'm going to tell you the same thing. Right, yeah. You know, so it was, I thought, ah, oh, okay, that's a good callback, definitely. Agreed. Um, I th really thought it was interesting that uh, he was in his original body, but he didn't remember that he didn't have the adamantium yet. Mm-hmm. You know, so I thought the way that this story went, it kind of, well, we know at the end, uh, we got those little tidbits there. Sure. Um, the actor that played Trask, mm -hmm. um, he has been in a few different uh, uh, movies. He was actually in Endgames also. No, he was in Infinity War. Or Infinity Wars. I'm sorry. Yeah. He made... Uh, Atri the Elf. Yes. Yes. But he Maker made... Of, the, oh, Stormbreaker and Mjolnir. Yeah. Yeah. Only he was a lot bigger in that movie. But he was still a dwarf, which is kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He's also... I think he was in that other uh, thing, uh, thing that was really big on HBO. What was... Called? Oh, Game of, Game Thrones. of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So good actor, as a matter of fact, he yep. has, 
gotten a lot of uh, awards for like best supporting actor and yeah, you know, uh, Golden Globes, Emmys, Oscars, you know, so. Yeah, yeah and, and you know, the comic book version of Trask is not a dwarf, um, but you really, that, it, that doesn't really detract from the story at all. He does a fantastic job and, you know, his uh, his mustache, his hair, his suits, you know, he's totally 70s, which I thought was, was yes. perfect. And he was also in your favorite movie, Elf. He was indeed, yeah. Yes, yeah, so I mean, uh, well, again, they placed everybody, uh, the actors that they used in this were so perfect for their roles, their different yeah. roles, you know? Yeah, and I, I definitely want to uh, point out, you know, his performance, well, it's like his slash Jennifer Lawrence's performance when she's, you know, kind of going undercover on in Trask Industries and she pretends that she's him or whatever. And so, you know, he has to act like Jennifer Lawrence would act if she was in disguise as him. And yes. you know, that scene with the secretary is, is perfect. You know, the way it's, it's, um, yeah, it's so well done. So well done. Yes. From beginning to end. Uh, and like I said, everybody has been uh, chosen properly for their different roles. Sure. Um, except maybe, well, I don't know. The actor that played Nixon, maybe. Although he looks similar. Better most. He's better than most, I think. I've seen other people try to portray Nixon. And I think he did a, you know, a very decent job. Yeah. Yeah. Perfectly serviceable. For this movie. Yeah. I mean, they didn't do... They didn't find an actor to try to do Kennedy in the last movie. They used archive footage, so you know, yes. really have nothing to compare it to. And I, I don't think they have Reagan in the the next film. If I don't, I don't remember. Um, I'm they did not have, positive. They did have Reagan in Wonder Woman eighty four, which was you know it was fine. Yes, it's totally interesting. If you must know, right? Okay, so. Um, how they chose to do this mm -hmm. and they decided that they needed Eric with them. And he goes, well, uh, I know somebody. And that's when we got uh, Peter yeah. Maximoff or Quicksilver, if you prefer. Right. But it was like so cool when they went up to the door and said okay what has he done now nothing right. and i'm thinking who is it that they're going to go to and when they when they showed him it was like oh wow i know i've seen this movie before but why couldn't i remember that yeah. you know uh -huh. and I, actually i think his portrayal as the speed guy mm -hmm. Uh, especially in the scene where after they've already gotten Eric mm -hmm. and uh, they have him running around that room and moving the, I think that when we saw the Zack Snyder version of Justice League and he did his flash guy. Yeah. I think there was a lot of similarities in that. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, because, I mean, think about it. If if you had the ability to be that fast, time would pretty much stand still for you, you know? Sure, sure. Yeah, we got to see uh, or hear the uh, great uh, Jim Croce song 
Oh, uh, yes. Time in a Bottle. Yes, definitely a great Croce song. No question. Yeah. All right. So in this version, Trask, he pretty much thinks all mutants are bad. Well, I, I don't know if bad is the operative word. I think the the word is a threat, right? I mean, because in his, his yeah, view, I guess you're right. Yes. The way he, you know, he feels like, you know, and obviously this calls into question, you know, evolution and things like that. How, you know, if you believe the evolutionary narrative that Neanderthals were the prime uh, mammals on earth and then, you know, um, homo sapiens uh, out you know, survive them or whatever, that he feels that, you know, the mutants are kind of the exact same thing. So history kind of repeating itself. And so he wants to ensure the survival of his people, which, you know, from a intentional standpoint, I get it. Um, but, you know, obviously uh, Xavier's vision is that, no, we can peacefully coexist. It doesn't have to be like that. And so, um, it's one of those things like, you know, um, are we slaves to our nature or can we, um, you know, overcome it? And so. Yes, but at the beginning of the movie, Xavier is a depressed alcoholic, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. And he, at that time, has lost all hope. Yes. You know, so which another good character uh, development through this story, uh, the way that he changed, uh, definitely another great acting job by McAvoy, you know? Yeah, and I wonder, I, I, try to, I was trying to think, of, I thought about this, I'm like, you know, obviously it's Xavier's interaction with Logan that kind of brings him back to, you know, start up the school and you know find other mutants and kind of reestablish the x-men if it wasn't for logan going back in time like what happened the first time before logan went back in time how, how did he you know pick himself up and you know um get himself clean again i, I don't know the answer to that and i don't think they ever explained that no but as we saw in the beginning of this movie he hadn't had the antimanium Antimadium, uh, you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. He hadn't gotten that yet. So he still could have been uh, working for Stryker. No, no, I'm talking about Xavier. How, how did Xavier oh, oh, okay. get back to normal, you know, instead of becoming the depressed alcoholic? Right, because he could have stayed down that route. Right. That's my point. What, 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 if it wasn't Logan that was sent back in time, how did he do that? Because obviously by the events of the first X-Men film in 2000, he's not like that. Right. No, not at all. So, so uh, to ask my question again, is the future truly set? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I think that uh, God knows our future. Right. That's what I meant by that. But we have, he's given us free will. So we. But it, it, that free will does not override any of God's will, though. 
So whatever he decrees, it's going to come to pass. You can't, you can't, you can't mess that up. All right. But you can, it, in other words, if God's will is for you to go uh, down this straight line or, or put, there's a boulder put in your path and you by your free will go around it and he wants you to go over it. Um, God's will wins. God wins. I'm sorry. So <laughs> does that mean that the boulder keeps coming in front of you until you do the right thing? No. That's called um, what, what you're talking about is fatalism, which is different than determinism. So fatalism is the idea that uh, even though you could possibly try to change things, it'll still end up the same way at the end. And they kind of had that conversation uh, it, with Star Trek playing in the background. I don't know if you remember. Yes, that. yes, that. I do. It's yes. Like, you know, is, are, is it just faded that Mystique is going to kill and end up you know, being the one that ushers in the Sentinel overlords? And so obviously by the end of the film, the answer is no, that things can change. Um, yes. I don't know. It's, it's something to ponder. Well, and I think that, yeah, you know, time travel has always been kind of a really weird concept. And I don't think it's a, uh, I, I would have a hard time seeing that actually being a real thing ever. Right. And there's all, there's always the story that somebody could go back in time. Would they assassinate Hitler? Right. You know, and what change would that make, you know? And uh, we see in this movie by mystique, not killing Trask. Mm -hmm. um, the way that all that intertwined at the end there, uh-huh where she was not the murderer, but the savior. Right. So that kind of changed an entire perspective. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you saw that in Trask's face or not, but it looked like he had a change of heart towards the end. And I think maybe Nixon also, right? Well, I would say that's the more important thing, the president, right? Because he was in control of the program. Ultimately, yeah. So Yeah. So um, I love the original Sentinels. Yeah. But these guys, I think they looked more like the Destroyer from Thor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Don't you the, think so? Or do you feel that way? Or Well, yeah. I mean, it was intentional. If you, the, the key point is because... They prevented the assassination in Paris of Trask originally, and things didn't change in the future. And the reason for that is because it, it wasn't what we'll put them on the path was not the assassination itself. It was the capture of Raven and her mutant powers that made the Sentinels into what they were. Because you'll see during the future when they were fighting, you know, when, you know, say they adapted. Exactly. Sunspot, you know, would, would, you know, fry them up and then they'd ice over or with, uh, with Bobby, they would, you know, turn yeah. the stuff and destroy them that way, you know? So, uh, it was that, um, you know, special way to adapt that Mystique had, that was really the key. And so once, once it was finally, uh, you know, uh, a, a foregone conclusion that she was not going to be captured and experimented on. That's when finally the future changes. 
Right. And we somehow at that time get Wolverine at the school. Yeah. And he's a teacher. Yeah. No less. Of history. Which of history. Was, which was called back to X2. So. Yes. And also, if you noticed, uh, though, we had that moment with um, <sighs> Professor X, but mm-hmm. uh, I had a question about that. Okay. The very last time uh-huh. that didn't look like the real actor to me. Oh. It looked like it was a CG version. Okay. Well, I'm sorry, but it just, he looked kind of funny to me. I didn't notice. Yeah, okay. Well, I just thought I'd throw that in there. Yeah. Uh, It might be true. It might not be true. But I looked at him there, and he didn't look like he looked towards at the beginning of the movie. Well, don't forget that this was an alternate future. So, you know, his appearance could change slightly, you know. Okay. All right. If that's where you want to go, I'll go there too. Sure. But uh, I sure miss the purple and red Sentinels. Well, they had some purple when uh, Magneto was controlling them in the 70s. So. Oh, that's true. But they still weren't the same Sentinels then either. No. Well, I mean, you yeah. had to remember that they wanted, you know, 70s technology at the time so it couldn't have been like super advanced like it was you know back in the the late 80s when they were introduced or the mid 80s right right okay so yeah i guess we could go there yeah that would make sense but uh yes i actually have a uh a run of sentinels Mm -hmm. uh comics that uh bendis wrote yeah a storyline which was pretty good um so they actually had their own comic you know cool so that was pretty interesting um so we had the vietnam war and that's actually where we got havoc again yeah yeah and you know we have a cameo of toad and couple other mutants that uh, we weren't that weren't named uh, particularly I don't think right but I think that uh, they became part of the brotherhood yes. with Eric right and at that time uh, Eric was in prison so right mystique was on her own yeah at that time yeah which is uh you know obviously it, I thought that was actually a really uh, cool way of them setting all that up. The fact that he was in prison because he they he was implicated in the Kennedy assassination, and obviously the uh, uh, real life complications from that whole incident um, was kind of brought into that. How uh, the bullet miraculously curved or whatever. Like, okay, it had to have been a mutant with mag- you know, magnetism powers, right? And I thought, right, that was, right. I mean, uh, pretty amazing. And then the fact that. Uh, the revelation that Magneto says to, to Charles that, uh, you know, the reason why he was assassinated is because he was one of us. Which I thought was, okay. Huh. That, and also he had the, the point to say that he was attempting to save him, yeah. To steer it away, and they stopped him in the middle of that, and that's how he got killed. So, yeah. That it wasn't his fault. 
Right. Uh, which, okay, I'll go with that. But yeah, until they went down that road that he was one of us, you could pretty much, uh, I mean, it would could be an item of speculation. Maybe there are mutants living among us now. Right, right. Yeah, so, but I think that if something like that mutations were happen would happen, I think it would be by design, you know, by God's design. I don't think. Oh yeah, that, certainly. Uh, but the thing, yeah, and, and you know, we I don't think we've ever talked about that in general before. But like, I mean, a lot of the quote unquote mutations that happen, they they're they're not uh, they don't make um, naturalistic sense. You know, for instance, like you know, the concept would be that, you know, uh, things get changed slightly over time. And if it ends up being a benefit to that particular organism, they get to pass on, you know, that, 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 that gene, that new gene. And, and it, you know, what we get here is like weird stuff that doesn't exist in nature, even like, you know, teleportation, telekinesis, uh, you know, telepathy, um, yeah, none of that stuff actually exists in nature anyway. So it's like, that wouldn't really happen you know um, right you don't think it would no unless I mean, it was by god's it, design well but in some ways it, you know you could see that like somebody you know uh getting blue fur or something like that 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 seems like it could happen but you know automatically you know being born with with wings or something like that that that's not how evolution works <laughs> no no well um i don't know if you remember but when uh, CSI Las Vegas was on t television, uh -huh. they did have an episode about a uh, brother and sister that had hair all over their bodies. Yeah, that's a real thing. Yes, it is. So yeah, so the beast's mutation makes sense to me. Everybody else is not so much. <laughs> I would agree, but I mean, there are people that uh say that they have uh mental abilities to bend spoons or whatever and yep yep you know but none of that has ever been proven well that's the thing james randy uh had like an open challenge saying i, I if you can uh, demonstrate any supernatural abilities whatsoever you know he had a standing offer he will pay that that person ten thousand dollars and it you know give all this crazy publicity to and so throughout the 70s and i think some of the 80s as well people tried to show you know that they had abilities to do that stuff and he always was able just to completely disprove them like yeah right. so he was like the original MythBuster. yeah he was he really was um, yes i think so too so but oh my gosh uh that to me uh just everything that was happening drove the movie they uh just happened to have the person with the right abilities to help them in their time of need when they were in their need you know right so i thought it was kind of interesting uh and i thought the movie flowed uh for the most part i don't really remember there being a uh a stagnant time i'm gonna no. say you know no, it was well paced absolutely yes through the whole movie and uh another good period piece done in a different way than the first movie yep 
um, but still flowed from beginning to end. And I would say also done in a way that was so well because they they were able to uh, undo some of the damage that has been done to the franchise and kind of give them license to go in a different direction, kind of similar to the uh, Star Trek Kelvin timeline. Okay, I would agree with that. Yes, definitely. Because I, like I told you last week that I was struggling to decide if that was going to be my favorite, one of my favorites. And uh, after seeing this movie again, I'm thinking probably this whole trilogy is going to be better than the original trilogy. I agree. Yeah, so um, that's kind of where I'm going with it at the moment. we had really, we got to see Stryker. Yep. A different Stryker when he was young, Trask. Yep. Um, there were also other uh, somewhat evil characters that we got to take a look at that uh, just, I some in passing, but. Right. Uh, definitely, uh, I liked the Quicksilver. Yep. But Scarlet Witch, nowhere to be found on this particular. Well, uh, it, technically, it, it, she could have possibly been in it. So uh, there, at the very end, when Magneto is crashing that uh, demonstration of the Sentinels and he does this monologue, it's being broadcast and it's being shown in different areas where there's other mutants around watching it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, Toad is working like in a, a bar, you know, in a kitchen or whatever. Right, uh, yes. One of the people watching it is Peter, and he's sitting with uh, a little girl in his lap while they're watching it on TV. And so uh, I I don't think that the Maximoff children had any other siblings. So I can only assume that in this particular timeline, he does have one as a sister and not a twin, but a younger sister. Okay, we could go with that. So that that's my uh, theory about that. Right, in this storyline, in this timeline, or this multiverse, or... Yeah, because obviously this is a separate thing from the comics, because we, as we discussed in first class, I mean, the only real original X-Men in, uh, in that lineup was Hank, and that was it. Yes, Beast, period. Yeah. Right, that's true. That is true. And, um, well, I thought it was good how they kind of actually, they brought all the people in from the original trilogy. Because at the end we got- Almost, almost. Oh, that's, well, we got Rogue. Mm -hmm. Yep. And we got Bobby. Mm -hmm. Yep. And we got Scott. Yep. Gene Gray. Yep. Uh, we saw Beast. Yep. Uh, oh, we didn't get Nightcrawler. That's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. But we didn't get him after the second movie either, which I but thought it would have been nice time. if he was in three. He is in three. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Okay. I might have to go watch that again. Dang it. But it's all good. It's all good. 
So, but he's the only one that we didn't get then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. And Angel, but Angel, I think, shows up in the next film too. So, right. They're going to work it all in. Um, and I haven't uh, looked yet. Same director for the next movie, or is it? Um, maybe I, I know he was involved. Let's see. Right. Well, he's produced yeah, he directed, pretty much all of them, right? Yeah, he, he's he directed X Men Apocalypse. So. Okay. Okay. Which uh, I'm kind of looking forward to. Yeah. Uh, that uh, when I first saw that, I thought the character was going to be, um, you know. Um, Oh my gosh. I thought he I it's a different character from the comics and I'm drawing a blank right now, but I'll remember it next time. So we're going to be talking about him next time anyway, so yeah. I'll share my thoughts on that then. Okay. When we get there. Anything else you want to discuss? Talk about? Uh no, I think um Yeah, this is uh this is definitely the it's by far my favorite um, X-Men film. And uh, like I said, it, uh, yeah, it was just fantastic. I think you're right that it kind of set a tone for them to go into a different direction. Unfortunately, uh, with Dark Phoenix and New Mutants, I think they failed at that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they could have, they could have done, I think you absolutely could have done a better film with uh, uh dark phoenix but the uh, new mutants one i think i think it should be its own thing um yeah we'll talk about that one another time yes we will yes we will um okay so nothing much left but yep and uh, i'm gonna let you go first okay well no, son, there's no pressure here. Um, on a scale of one to ten, absolutely, this is a ten for me. This is one of the best superhero films of all time, and like I said, certainly my favorite uh, X Men film. And um, yeah, I love it. I'm going to uh, also ten it. Uh, basically, it's the X Men's version of Infinity Wars slash End Games. You know, okay. it's their well, if you think about it, it's like I said, the gang's all there. Yeah. You know, you got them in the future, got them in the past. Yeah. Um, and the story was told not as good as the comic, but it still was a great story. I still think the comic is, you know, it, it, it's a different thing. You know, they're, they, they're taking the concept that was in the comic and they're making it its own thing with the current, you know, Thanks. Right. I, I, I got gotcha. you. Right. Just like the comics get rewritten, this uh, movie is their concept of Days of Future Past. So, absolutely. So, yeah, good. 10 10. And now we just, uh, everybody's waiting with bated breath and anticipation for the next movie, which is Apocalypse. So, yeah, thank you all for listening. And we will uh, definitely see you next week. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. And uh, X-Men Apocalypse is next. Goodbye and God bless. Goodbye. God bless. Tell your friends. <laughs>